0: Job chapter thirty eight and the verse twenty four By what way is the light parted which scattereth the east wind upon the earth? Who hath divided a water course for the overflowing of waters or a way for the lightning of thunder? to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, on the wilderness wherein there is no man, to satisfy the desolate and waste ground, and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth. Hath the rain a father? Or who hath begotten the drops of dew? Out of whose womb came the ice? And the hoary frost of heaven, who hath gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pilares, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season, or canst thou guide Arcturus, with his sons. Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds, that abundance of waters may cover thee? Canst thou send lightnings, that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are? Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts? Or who hath given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in wisdom? Or who can stay the bottles of heaven? When the dust groweth into hardness, And the clouds cleave fast together, Wilt thou hunt the prey for the lion? Or fill the appetite of the young lions? When they couch in their dens and abide in the covert to lie in wait. Who provideth for the raven his food? When his young ones cry unto God, they wander for lack of meat. We'll end a reading here at the close of the chapter, and may the Lord be pleased to bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts. We look to the Lord as we come our text. Our loving Father, we do thank Thee that Thou hast given to us Thy Word. Thy Word is truth. Thy Word nourishes us in our inner man, and we pray that the Word will sanctify us. It will set us apart more and more unto Thee. And we look to Thee that by Thy truth These hearts and lives of ours will be strengthened, that we will be strong in thee and in the power of thy might. We know, Lord, that thou hast not left us comfortless. Thou art the one who knows how to comfort us in all our tribulation. And we pray that this morning we might know something of the comforting power of thy precious word. O Lord, reveal thyself to us and bless us here. Pour out thy Spirit upon us and give the wisdom and the enablement that we need to break the bread of life. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen. Job chapter 38, and in verse 41, the question is put, who provideth for the raven his food? There is no greater picture of human suffering, distress in the Word of God than the life of Job. Satan maintained that Job only exercised faith in God because of the many blessings and benefits that flow from such a relationship. In order to prove that this reasoning was groundless, the Lord took away the hedge of protection from around his servant. And quickly Job was stripped of all that was precious and dear to his heart. Catastrophe followed catastrophe. His herds and flocks were destroyed. His sons and daughters, the children that he had dangled on his knees and clutched tenderly in his arms, were removed by the stroke of death. In addition to all of that, his friends, so-called, misinterpreted his afflictions, misrepresented his standing with God. In this dark hour, when the sun refused to shine, Job's faith was severely strained and tested. He came to the place where he complained, where he murmured. And in chapters 38 and 9, the Lord raises many questions over seven days. And each one of those questions was penetrating and searching. Each question demonstrated how purely qualified Job was to fully comprehend the providential ways of the Lord. Is there in these questions... Uh, man's ignorance of the secret counsel of God is clearly displayed. Man knows nothing concerning the foundation of the earth or of the bounds of the sea. He knows nothing of the light of the morning or of the springs of water in the clouds of heaven. He can do nothing towards producing rain Frost, lightning are in the directing of the stars. He cannot even provide for the lions or the ravens. Job was reminded that God provides for the raven. Like Job, there are times in each of our experiences when the providence of God seems to frown on us. Our way is mysterious and dark. There are times when the sunshine of life is eclipsed by the storm clouds. It is fitting for us to look at the raven and God's care for it. Indeed, the Lord exhorts us in the New Testament to consider the ravens. May they bring us meat, nourishment, and refreshment as with Elijah by the brook Kereth. Three thoughts from this text. First of all, God's care for the raven, though it is an unclean bird. The raven is not the kind of bird that we love our dote on. I have gone in to numerous homes in the course of my pastoral visitation over the years, and I have seen budgies of many colors and sizes in their cages. But I have yet to see a raven, a crow, in such a place of affection and admiration. The raven is unattractive. It has no appeal. It is rather obnoxious, having for its diet rotten flesh and the scraps of earth. Under the law of God, there was a list of animals and creatures, both clean and unclean. And when we come to Deuteronomy chapter fourteen we read something concerning the raven. Deuteronomy chapter fourteen and verse eleven of all clean birds ye shall eat, but these are they of which ye shall not eat, the eagle and the offspring and the osprey. And verse fourteen and every raven after his kind. Oh, this is a telling statement about the raven. They are unclean, an abomination. The wonderful truth, however, is that God thinks on them for good. The ravens they are the recipients of God's care, of His mercy and provision. There's a representation in this bird of mankind. David asked, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the Son of man that thou visitedst him? Man! He is as a worm. He is as a grasshopper. He is made of the dust of the ground. In Ulster in the 1920s, we had a notable evangelist who came to America, too, on a number of times and had wonderful gospel campaigns here in this nation. W.P. Nicholson was his name, and he said, There is no room for pride in the heart of man, for God only made two things out of the dust of the ground, man and big Egyptian fleas. So we have nothing to be proud about. Saul, he pursued David. He hunted him down at En-Gedi. Much to David's amazement. David was really astounded that, that Saul should have focused on him. He has this to say in 1 Samuel chapter 26. 1 Samuel chapter twenty six and verse twenty. Now therefore, let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel, Saul is come out to seek a flea. Here's how David saw himself just as a flea, utterly beneath. The attention of the King of Israel. And all of us this day have to smite our breast in acknowledgement of our unworthiness before the King of Kings. We are all as an unclean thing, even our best deeds are as filthy rags, an abomination in the all-seeing eye of God. Man is defiled in thought, word, and deed. We see ourselves as in a mirror in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. The whole head is sick, the whole heart faint, from the sole of the foot even unto the head. There is no soundness, wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. Oh, there is a similarity between us in our, our natural state and the raven. And how amazing that God should care for the raven and how amazing that his eye should be fixed on us. It's amazing that the Holy God should have thought of us in our sin. In His mercy, God provided a Savior, a great one. God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Salvation has been provided at highest cost, even at the price of the shedding of Christ's own blood. God loved the world of sinners lost and ruined by the fall. Salvation full at highest cost he offers free to all. Oh, t'was love, t'was wondrous love, the love of God to me. It brought my Savior from above to die on Calvary. Christ receives sinners, not the righteous, not the self-righteous, but sinners. And if you're listening to this sermon today in your sin, the Lord Jesus will receive those who repent and Put their trust in him. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. We see in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 how the Lord reminded his people of his care for them in Babylonian captivity. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. You can write over the verse, God's care for his people. The care that the Lord has for us is extensive. We are told in 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9 that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. And our respective Of whether his people are rich or poor, high or low, his care surrounds them day and daily. It's not only extensive, it is intensive. Zechariah had good and comfortable words for the people in chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14. The Lord answered the angel that talked with me with good words and comfortable words. So the angel that communed with me said unto me, Cry thou, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy. Oh, here's the proper use of that word jealousy. God has a great jealousy toward his people. The word as it is used here, it means to burn, to glow with red hot emotion. So the Lord has a special place in his heart. For his people, we are his delight. We are the apple of his eye. He has a great jealousy toward us. Oh, how intensive his care for us is. In Capernaum, the Sabbath was well spent. The sun was setting. But those with divers with different diseases... They were still being brought to the Lord, that he might heal them. And in Luke chapter 4 and verse 40, we are told that the Lord laid his hands on every one of them. There was a great multitude present, but the Lord saw the particular need that each Each individual in that crowd had, he laid his hands on every one of them. And the Lord knows all about every one of us and the burdens that we carry. The hairs of our head are all numbered by the Lord. His care is extensive. It is intensive. It is selective. The Lord's general care extends to all in his common grace. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. But a father's care over his children and the husband's care over his wife is selective. And so is the Lord's care for his people. In in Psalm 125 and the, the second verse, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. God's care for the raven, though it is an unclean bird. But secondly... Let us consider together God's care for the raven and how it's tied in with their cry to him. The raven can certainly make its presence known. Did you ever listen to a number of them in a cluster of of trees? The noise they make is deafening. They have that loud, harsh squawk. There's no sweet, soothing tones from the raven, but their cry is heard. In Psalm 147 and the verse 9, we we are told how their cry is heard. He giveth to the beast his food, and to the young ravens which cry. No one else will feed them. The farmer, because of the havoc they create among the crops and the livestock, the farmer will train the barrel of his gun toward the crow. But their cry is answered by God and the penitent sinner's cry is heard in heaven. This poor man cried, the psalmist said in Psalm 34 and verse 6, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, that you would lift your heart, unsaved one, in a penitent cry for mercy and salvation. The ravens in their cry, they leave Christians an example. We ought to be living in the atmosphere of prayer. That was David's way of life in Psalm 109. And the verse 4, David can say, For my love, they are my adversaries, but I give myself unto prayer. Literally, I prayer. He lived in the very atmosphere of prayer. It was Spurgeon who said, I seldom pray for 15 minutes, but I seldom let 15 minutes pass without praying. When the Lord prayed in Luke chapter 11, the disciples were moved to ask this request. In verse 1, teach us to pray. And in response, the model prayer was given, and then followed by a parable in verses 5 and 6 of Luke 11. Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. The owner of the house had nothing to set before the one who arrived at his door at midnight. And if we do not maintain the spirit of prayer, we will have nothing to set before the ungodly. Without fervent supplication, our cup will not be full and running over. This man... He received as many loaves as he needed, not because of his friendship, but because of his importunity, his persistent asking. Do you see that in verse 8 of Luke 11? Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Often we prevail on a human level with others because they are displeased with our persistent approaches. The child will often keep asking and demanding anything for a quiet life. The parent will often give in to get peace. We prevail with God by importunity because he is pleased with such a spirit. The prayer of the upright is the Lord's delight. The church in Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, they were encouraged to pray without sin ceasing. Literally, unceasingly pray. As we breathe without ceasing, so must we pray. It's a fact that we can do nothing without breathing. You will never be able to dispense with breathing until you breathe your last. And the same with prayer. The mercy seed ought never to be abandoned for any reason. The devil will say in the words of Job chapter 21 and the verse 15, Job 21 and verse 15, What is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit should we have if we pray Unto him, the devil's a liar. There is great profit in seeking the Lord's face. Oh, may we never leave go of the horns of the altar of prayer. May we be instant in prayer. The raven, this unclean bird, it cries and God hears and feeds it. What will he not do for his blood-bought children? John Newton said, Beyond our utmost wants, his love and power can bless. To praying souls, he always grants more than they can express. The Lord is the rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Our third and last stop is God's care for the raven. It's an exhortation to trust Him. What was the Lord saying to Job in this text? Job, though trials have swept into your life, Though you have trouble piled upon trouble, and sorrow added to sorrow, trust me with all your heart. Look at the raven, Job. I care for it. The Lord has this to say in Luke chapter 12 and verse 24. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? Oh, you are of more value in the Lord's sight than the old crow. When waves of affliction come sweeping in, when fond ambitions crumble at your feet, when the blossom of health fails, it is then that the devil will seek to sow hard thoughts against the Lord in your mind. The devil will come alongside saying, Look what's happened. Your faith is vain. Your trust is as when one leans on a broken reed. A little girl had been promised the privilege of climbing to a nearby hilltop where her brother enjoyed playing. But when she came to the foot of that steep, rough path, she drew back. She said, "'There isn't a smooth spot anywhere. It's all bumpy and stony.'" "'Yes,' said her brother." But how could we climb to the top if it wasn't? The stones and bumps are what we step on to get there. And at times the way is uphill and bumpy. Our difficulties are to become stepping stones to higher ground of trust, of victory and blessing. We're not to be overrun with anxious care. George Mueller, he said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. We have had read to us Philippians chapter 4 and the sixth verse. Here's what it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. I recently read A comment on this verse, and it goes, When in a fix, remember Philippians 4 and verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. Remember that the raven... Though unclean and uncomely, yet in the Old Testament and in the New, the Lord's eyes are upon it. The Lord loves you more than he does the ravens. You're one of his jewels. You're a diadem in his hand. You're precious in his sight. You're his Hepzibah. His delight is in you. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Oh, may we say with Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. May you and I be like the psalmist when it says in Psalm 112 and verse 7, his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. May we trust him every day of our lives, whether the day be sunny or dreary. May we trust the one Who provides for the old crow, for the raven, he feeds it, he hears its cry. May the Lord encourage our hearts through his word this morning. Let us unite our hearts together in prayer. Our gracious, loving Father, how we thank thee for thy provision for us, We do know that thy paths drop fatness, and thou dost lead thy people along by green pastures and still waters. We know that Jacob at the end of his long life could speak of thee as the God who had fed him all the days of his life. O Lord, help us to trust thee. Help us, Lord, to lean on thee. Thou art not only the God of the hilltops, thou art also the God of the valleys. And in the dark valley experiences of this life, we need fear no ill, for thou, our shepherd, will be with us still. O Lord, increase our faith. Help us not to lose sight of thee amid all that comes against us in this pilgrim journey. Help us, Lord, to keep our hand in thine. And we know that thy love, that great love wherewith thou hast loved us, will never let us go. Thou art the Father of our mercies, and the God of our comfort, the unfailing Jehovah. Lord, take us and draw us nearer, still nearer to thee. And as we come around thy table, oh, we pray that thou wilt reveal thyself, Lord, in all the wonder and glory of the work of thy cross. Lord, shut out our eyes to mundane things, and open our eyes wide to behold thee and not another around thy table. We ask it in the Saviour's name. Amen. Amen.